All right, everybody. Morning edition of Crypto Conversion Podcast. And that's okay because we'll have a few episodes like this, just depending on guests from a time zone perspective, everything like that. But yeah, this is uh this is AM edition and oh boy, my upload is really slow. <laughs> this is we'll give it our best shot though. It should get better. We are matless. We are matless again, but everything will be back to normal next week. Yeah. I think so. There'll always be bumps in the road when we do these types of things, but those of you who've listened to enough podcasts, watch enough content, you know that everything ebbs and flows. So Connor and I are uh, traveling this weekend, and we're just... uh, we wanted to at least get an episode in and felt like a good time to do a state of the union for what's kind of happened this summer. I know we've talked about doing these state of the union episodes every once in a while because we we want to focus on the parallels of crypto and Christianity on this podcast, but sometimes the the crypto degen in us that got us into this space wants to still talk about the markets and what that means from the just the overall impact of things. So, yeah, this is going to be one of those episodes that we just kind of look at the where the market is. And, you know, I'll just kind of start, you know, we're sitting here today on August 26th and Bitcoin this week has drop back down to that 25k range and I know Connor you're not really a trader I'm just more of a dollar cost average investor um, in this stuff as well for the you know at least Bitcoin and Ethereum and I and if I if I see another for me if I I want to be no this is like where I like kind of give sort of advice but you know everybody take your own approach with a grain of salt it's when the entire market's down where the biggest opportunities are to invest if you have some capital that you've been setting aside there's a project that you want to be in because you've researched it and you want to be in it for the sake of just getting exposure to it go for it i don't know if that's always the best strategy i would stick with bitcoin and ethereum honestly and then i would i would throw like maybe whatever you're capable of investing into maybe something a little more volatile or sporadic or risky, however you want to say it. But um, I wouldn't go dollar cost averaging into the altcoins necessarily unless it's a long-term strategy um, and you have the capital um, to, to risk to do it. So it, it, that's that's at least my general consensus. I did... Um, dollar cost average in some altcoins for a bit whatever i was allowed to dollar cost average into and wasn't necessarily the best strategy um especially if you did cardano for example so that's just some of the things that i've been looking at and so i guess a lot of the the things attributed to bitcoin here we obviously had the spacex news there's a pretty substantial amount that got dumped it's been recovering nicely though and 
we're kind of in the same place we were last summer, respectively, around this time. So I'm not too skittish about it. It's the whole economy collectively is a little bit, you know, it's not it's not the greatest right now. But we've seen economic indicators not even be the deciding factor with how Bitcoin ebbs and flows. But it's still a part of it regardless. So that's just uh, my uh, 30,000 foot pitch. And yeah, I don't know what you're thinking about, Connor, with that. You know, when you just said um, that we're in like the same place that we were last year, I feel like that's like the general sentiment is just realizing that we really are in this for the long haul with this economic renewal, you know, because for a little while there, people were saying, hey, maybe the bull market is back. Maybe inflation doesn't matter. Um, You know, maybe the Fed actions don't matter. And it's like, no, actually, all these things do affect these markets. And uh and we have to, you know, we have to get through it. So I, I just, that's just my general feeling browsing Twitter is people are just kind of coming to that realization and we're really fitting, uh, hitting those uh, bear market, bear market lows. So it's a good time to just look through Web3 and ask ourselves, you know, what is the state of this place? Um, you know, what are the good projects? What are the things that actually matter? And, um, and I say good projects from like a, you know, actual utility perspective. Like, what is it that really matters about what we're doing here in Web3? Because if it's all just, and this is other things I've just seen on Twitter and in message chat groups, but like, if it's all just like pump and dumps and scams and, you know, these giant companies going under and finding out they scammed you, you know, is this really a space you want to be a part of or not? So uh, and, it's necessary. We, we are know, doing a little bit better. Bear market actions. We're- we're doing a little bit better than last year, just kind of looking at where things were last year around this time. But it's still like... We're doing better, but I feel like it's not, what's it, hit it is just the like the past, the whole past year is just coming you know, into play. And it's like people are realizing that like, wow, like we actually have been through a lot and there was a lot of not great forces you know, in play um, in the previous Yeah, world. there was a lot of... With Celsius Just and with bad FTX. actors that were getting weeded out in crypto as a whole. And I feel like the what's the latest one was just like, uh, who was that company that was a uh, custodian, Bitcoin custodian for, um, for Swan Bitcoin for a little bit? Um, oh, was it, uh, it wasn't Prism. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I, I look because that was that was the latest one, and it was like, are we not over this yet? And it's like, no, we're not actually over this yet. There's another player to fall, you know. And so the question in everybody's mind is like, are there more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's all going to depend on how much crypto has been invested and leveraged by assets that aren't real. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But that's the that's been one that's of the more exactly interesting things of seeing on. like how much has been invested with stuff that isn't actually there. Yeah. Talking about like why don't we just dive into the first thing we we're talking about here with the NFT marketplace just coming down to, you know, floor market lows. Um I think that might be the first uh, interesting thing to check out. I'm going to be dropping an NFT project called The Basement Boys. 
just kidding. Um, so it's uh, it literally so. though. It I, where this is interesting. Um, do you? Mm -hmm. What? Yeah, I was actually gonna say. Do you have the chart? Maybe just pull it up on screen just to show people what okay. we're actually looking at. Yeah, I, I want to see. I want to get a. I can't get the ninety day though for some reason, but I can pull it. I can pull it up here just to kind of look at on. Uh, and I know I'll probably I could, get. I was actually here. Hold up. Let me find. This will be better if I get OpenSea up here. So. What I find interesting is Bored Apes is all the rage, and it's still like one of the flagship NFT projects, but their floor dropped exponentially because people were Remember, like, celebrities were paying millions for these projects just to have them as their Twitter profile picture. And now, market sentiment. If you look at the fear to greed index, fear is um, definitely uh, the, the driver. And I'd be willing to wager a lot of these celebrities that were in some of these projects initially are no longer in them. Just looking on Twitter, like this is why this is how I knew because I just saw people dishing on all the board apes holders. Yeah. You know, all those people that board apes was like telling, hey, like we're never coming down and, um, you know, you guys are wrong about our project and blah, 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 blah. Like all those people are coming to the Twitter feed to, uh, you know, to dunk on those, those previous takes. And um, it's like, okay, there's something going on here. And I mean, realistically, it's like, well, what's really going on? Not much that hasn't been going on for the past year. You know, prices are coming down. Things are just, just trade, you know, trading uh, markets are coming down and hitting those, uh, hitting those bear markets. But it's just been a year of it and it's getting to the point where people are done you know i don't want to share like private dms but i'm in a i'm i'm in a couple like web3 uh chats and a couple of them had board apes holders in them that have sold since you know going through all this mess and uh, i do know that board apes is hosting a big party down in miami um and i guess they didn't get a lot of attendance for their like exclusive club Oh, wow. So they opened it up to general admission. And just in the chat, people were like, hey, you going to Miami? And people were like, nope, no, nah, I'm good. So, <laughs> so it's not, it's not as So cool I don't know. I kind of feel that the sentiment there is not great. It's just not great. People are, people are angry, to be honest. I think that's what it is, is people are angry and they're just done. So, but I mean, these when you talk about utility with nfts like there's no doubt there's a lot of like you know what the bitcoin maxis might call scam elements for sure because it's like what are you really buying into well you're buying into something that you hope the sentiment is going to be strong enough and it's going to be cool enough you know going forward that it's going to stay you know priced high or increase in value you're buying into that and then you're also buying into the status symbol and when you lose both of those things you know what do you what do you have? You have something that's worthless. And so trying to trade something that relies on like general populist sentiment is, is hard, is difficult. So yeah, it's kind of like, it's that. difficult to say that in this social arbitrage, isn't something that's necessarily going to work in this economy from an investing standpoint. You know what I mean? Yeah.
And the other thing I just want to pull up here too is the uh, is the actual coin gecko chart for Board Apes Club alone. Yeah. So I mean, just looking at this chart over the past ninety days, it's just been nonstop down. I mean, this is only ninety days. This was uh, May thirtieth, twenty twenty three, which um, which things started to kind of come down a little bit before mm-hmm. then, but trading up at 45 and i mean look at this chart like it doesn't look good does it um, no and then we had we had kind of a dip from the general trend trend on tuesday and i think that's when things finally hit in but um but yeah it's like people are like where is this chart going it, it you know there's no there's no real sign that will will coming back up anytime soon and so that's uh that's what's getting people worried if if board apes, and then one more thing I wanted to pull up. Yeah, just saying, like, if board apes yeah. was actually like a community that was about giving exclusive groups of people exclusive access to learn how to make more money or learn how, like, get like more high level information and access to things. I think that more people would be about it, but it doesn't really seem to do that. And it just seems to be like, you know, kind of like Billy McFarland and what he did with like his black metal card or like the Firefest stuff. Like that's what it feels like more than an actual, um, you know, net benefit to anybody. It's just a, it's just another Firefest, yeah. right? Yeah. Hey, do you remember? Do you remember like uh, what do they call them? Like silly bands? Yeah. Or like these wrist things. Uh, yep. Like in the shapes of dinosaurs and that would have been a big thing when you were that. when you were growing I mean, up. That's what. Exactly, and like that's what these are. You know, they're fads. So, and it's tough to say because like some things do hold through. Like you know, people yeah. wear Nike Dunks still, and um, you know. Could those have been no, a fad? Like, board, yeah, they were board, popular shit board, back then. They're board apes and these today. NFT projects are going to be crypto relics at the end of the day. Um, the the question is, what does what does a Web three relic mean from a worth standpoint fifty years from now? Oh yeah, that's the question. Like, yeah, but uh, I feel like, yeah, but. I, that's a good thing because I do think that just historically, like a board ape is going to mean something. Yeah, you know, assuming the space hangs around in any form whatsoever. Yeah, but um, is it going to be worth this much? Who knows? And then also, most of these people that are buying into this project, like, are they really thinking that you know that long that long no. term? No, <laughs> no, they're no, not. no. So yeah, so you're gonna have. I think you're gonna have a lot of sell pressure, but we'll see. One other thing I just wanted to pull up was this tweet here. This uh, Niraj guy, he's uh, a yeah. head of coin or one of the heads of Coin Center. So he's a really cool guy. He's actually, and maybe we'll pivot into the tornado cash discussion. He's kind of at the forefront of that um, suit um, for the rights of tornado cash and developers in Web three. But he just had he had to dunk because uh, I guess this guy Andrew Miller was mad at his take back in November twenty twenty one about bored apes. And so this guy responds about uh, Naraja's comments, um, basically saying that uh, he really can't imagine the ape staying valuable. And he wrote this big piece, you know, about why he's wrong. And uh, here we are sitting in uh, 2023, August 2023. And, you know, 
he's right oh he was right so this is just like what i've been seeing on the twitter timeline i don't, I don't know what you've been seeing but uh bold apes have just taken a hit left and right my twitter timeline usually consists of the on-chain activity i like understanding what the whales are doing and uh i follow a couple of accounts that call out um projects so kind of like not i don't want to say like pump projects but like they kind of are analyzing the market more than i do and they give like calls not that i'm investing in every one of their calls but i uh i've been on the floor for some of their stuff which has been pretty awesome um and then uh yeah, I've just uh, it, anything that like kind of gives me more learning capabilities, just what's out there and what's coming. Um, I'm not sitting here with an unlimited bag to just throw a couple dollars here or there into every project. Um, but I I try to stay um, in tuned with what's going on because I am looking for the next. Uh, what I'm looking for, what the next um, startup is for me to put something in. But right now, this podcast, for from a crypto standpoint, is probably where I'm investing the most, just because of you know the personal attachment to it. So <laughs> that's kind of my my sentiment right now. Is like at least with this, like I can invest in us as opposed to a project that I don't have control over. Yeah talking about yeah i think that's a great thing to point out to people too because i mean that's kind of what my i guess investment philosophy is though just in general like if you're going to invest if you're going to throw money into projects you're relying on those people to basically perform mm -hmm. and you're just hoping that your money grows like one of the best things you can do is just always invest in yourself invest in you know your own business um invest in you know your own life and then you're in control of that growth and so, and ed, and education and uh, education too, education too. And I'm not talking about yeah. college. I'm talking about like the right books, the right, you know, the right uh, tools. Sometimes the right relationships, even. So that's it's all a part of it. And those yeah, who exactly. those who those who do those kind of things know what we're talking about. It's not it's not necessarily the easiest, oh, yeah. but but it, but the people that do this stuff understand. And so that's the, that's the kicker, you know, talking um, about, uh, Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say like talking about on chain activity. Cause you said that's a popular thing on your Twitter feed. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I saw this just yesterday, but apparently the DEA was sending some crypto to the U S Marshall service, something they acquired probably deal, uh, during a big bust. And, um, so they were they were sending coins that were scammed from people to the U.S. Marshal Service, and some other scammer actually intercepted that transaction. And the way he did it is he saw that the DEA was sending to the U.S. Marshal Service. They sent yeah. a test transaction, you know, like when you send just a small bit to make sure that you don't lose all your coins. He saw that transaction, and then he created a spoof address that uh, that replicated the first four or five digits of the address and the last four or five. 
Because I don't know about you, but that's what I always do. I just double check to make sure the first few numbers and the very last numbers match. And then I say, it's probably good, right? Yeah. And then I send. So he that's what he did. So his address, the in-between, the sandwich didn't, but the, the ends did match. And and they I don't know exactly how he got them to send to that address, but they did. And um, and he intercepted all those coins. So it's well, just, maybe maybe it's just what crazy, like you know, Marshall Service was supposed to send some back to confirm, or they just never confirmed. Yeah, and so then they started sending it to that guy because the addresses looked so similar. They weren't checking it, and yeah. that's sometimes. The demise of people is, you know, you need to check your your keys or your, you know, where your where you're where you're sending stuff because otherwise, <laughs> it's just like we're in a nascent space and people are still figuring out how to operate in this space, you know, and it's yeah. like even the U.S. government can get scammed. So uh, that's one thing to just recognize that, like, hey, we still like this is still the wild west out here. So, you know, you got to be very careful with what you're doing. More importantly than that, one thing that could have prevented this from happening is if they had a .eth address instead of this long, you know, hexa, whatever you call it, hexacode um, address, because none of us, I know none of us review the send addresses every single time we're sending because they're just so long. And, you know, especially if you're doing a lot of transactions, um, you're just going to kind of make sure you send a little test, hope it's good check the first or the last few digits. But uh, if you had a .eth name that you were sending to, like I'm sending to Brandon.eth and you can send to Connor.eth, yeah. like that's going to protect you because that's much easier to remember and you know, lost less opportunity for mistakes. People are going to see that activity either way because of the visibility of the chain. But yeah, that would prevent a lot of that... Uh, a lot of that mix up there yeah. and it's it's less to remember too like that's the thing like sometimes just a simple layer of extra security can go a long way <laughs> and it seems like uh unnecessary initially but didn't have to be a complex ens domain name like it could have been something pretty generic or simple or even shoot just make a little like make made up shell company name essentially so yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, Mastercard and Visa um, parted ways with Binance. I thought that was kind of interesting this week. Another, uh, okay. you know, it's similar to like Instagram with the NFTs. It's like, yep, we're done. It's like uh, <laughs> until until the next uh, bull run, we're not we're not interested. Yeah, pretty much. So the two founders of Tornado Cash, the head developers, and uh, of course, when you say founders in this space, you're like. Well, yeah, they're they're the creators, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they control the project project. You know, today um, they just developed it. But the two the two figures that are known for Tornado Cash are Roman Storm and Roman Semenov. Uh, we call them the, the the Roman brothers, but they're not actually brothers. They just share the same first name, different last names, though. Sure. So uh, these these yeah. So Ro- the two Romans got arrested just. Was it, uh, it wasn't yesterday, I think it was the day before last. Well, we were recording this on Saturday. The podcast isn't going to go out for another few days. But they got arrested this week, basically, uh, by the FBI. And they're, they're not U.S. citizens. So the U.S. 
tracked him down. Maybe there was some sort of extra extradition, but uh, whatever the case, they were arrested. And um, and it's just another ca- chapter in this ongoing saga of uh, Tornado Cash, you know, battling with the U.S. authorities for basically code that they created. And then maybe North Korea, this isn't even proven. The claim is that the Lazarus Group, which is a hacking group in North Korea, uh, used Tornado to wash funds, stolen funds in the crypto space. Um, and that by creating this protocol and enabling it to exist and maintaining it through the DAO, that supposedly these people are responsible for basically aiding and abetting North Korea, which is a sanctioned entity. So once Tornado Cash got sanctioned, um, you know, they've been going after these people. And uh, this is probably the biggest step in the case is that they actually arrested these two head developers, um, the Roman brothers. And now it's going to have to play out in the court. Like, are they responsible for this? Um, And it really is just crazy thinking like they, the claim is not that they intentionally helped North Korea. The claim is that they, you know, created a system that, uh, that North Korea was able to take advantage of and that they are somehow responsible for that. So just crazy yeah it's like we talked about how like you know with when i look back at our at our episode with um was it sam from florida on the cbdc Mm -hmm. stuff yeah it's like yeah how are we supposed to control what is being used for what like the currency of illegal activity is a hundred dollar bills and yet there seems to be no drive or ambition to you know clamp down on that activity as aggressively as they're going after some of this stuff it's 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 crazy to me that there's more why would people do that type of activity on the blockchain when it's like it's so traceable and I know that Tornado Cash's goal was to help eliminate that trace, but couldn't you still see where stuff was coming from going into Tornado Cash and then it got spit out with a different transaction address? So the way the protocol works, you can see what's coming in for sure, but the problem is you wa- it's basically... It's basically laundering it, right, with a bunch of other um, transactions. So you don't know which transaction that's coming out is connected to the transaction that's going in. Now, the one one issue with that is that uh, supposedly North Korea was um, washing, you know, these large sums. We're talking like hundreds ETH, right, 100 ETH sum or something like that. And there's a lot less transactions going in to that, right? So sure. um, into that, you know, that sum. So if they're putting all that in and then taking it all out at once, then obviously that transaction is connected. There's going to be bad actors in all walks and practices of life. And <clears throat> to just kind of pinpoint it on software developers, essentially, or people who just wrote code is this kind of, you know, it's it's just ridiculous. But when you think about it, with the effect that 
that Bitcoin had on economies, if the U.S. government ever found out who Satoshi is, he'd probably get arrested too, honestly. So what I wanted to do was just share this this stuff from Chris Black because I think it's so great. But um, particularly this tweet is what I wanted to point out. Is there is no way for the arrested tornado cash devs to stop Lazarus, the North Korean hacking group, from using yeah. tornado smoke contracts. There was nothing they could have done. The indictment, the indictment from the prosecutors just claims that they committed a crime by not engaging in ineffective theatrics like KYC, you know, AML on the front end, which is which this is the truth. Like they could not have done anything. So they're getting arrested literally for just creating the code that is was used by North Korea. So your point was, does Bitcoin Maxi say, well, they should have done this, they should have done that, and you know they shouldn't have built an Ethereum. But if Satoshi was discovered, do you think that the US government would arrest him? You know, I think there's a very strong case for that, right? If he wasn't anonymous. Yeah. So it just gives you something to think about. You're like, yeah, this is really just persecution of privacy and this is a persecution of you know self-sovereignty and um yeah i I would even just encourage like the bitcoin maxis to to recognize that and how important this tornado cash case is because you should not be criminalized for you know writing code that could possibly be used by bad actors but isn't designed to be used by bad actors it's designed for privacy and privacy should be a human right yeah like the reason why um, Vitalik doesn't get arrested for Ethereum is because I feel like he's done a good job of posturing himself from a societal standpoint, yeah. like kind of almost making him like an altruistic Einstein-like figure. So that he doesn't, or well, who else is a, an example of this? Like one of, he's put he's put himself in position where he is like one of those untouchable geniuses, essentially, which is why. And and but even him, like, he doesn't necessarily own most of his own projects. He's just the front man for it. Yeah, I think there's I think there's an argument to be made about how willingly Ethereum in general has gone along with uh you know regulations and and um you know basically protecting themselves from the regime by conceding on certain grounds they kissed the ring enough yeah that's that's what i'm saying so i'm not i'm not too sure like yeah uh vitalik has avoided jail for that but um you know i'm not really sure that that is the best case just thinking back like um to uh you know tornado cash when the sanctions first hit and there was a graph for a long time that would show the Ethereum validators who were basically censoring transactions, right? And huh. I remember reaching like 85, maybe even 90% of Ethereum validators were refusing to validate blocks with Tornado Cash transactions. And it's like, okay, it didn't really matter because there was still that those 15% of validators who were. But, you know, if that inched all the way up to 100 then you just effectively had censorship on blockchain, which is crazy to think about. But, you know, it's just the way the Ethereum uh, Ethereum protocol is built. 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, that is something to be concerned about. And um, I do see the arguments against Ethereum for that. That is something to think about. It's like if you're if you're in a project that's kind of opened up the ERC20 channels, if you're not a part of that, the Ethereum group think your project might be in trouble. Yeah. And this is what Chris Black actually brought up. So this is one more thing I wanted to... Actually, this is a different tweet, I just realized. But uh, I like this tweet, too. When he... Wait, this is the wrong tweet. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're all good. Uh, it was... It was this tweet. It was this one. So for the Bitcoin Bitcoiners, no matter how much you hate Ethereum, which I even acknowledge that there's problems there, right? It's critical that every Bitcoiner understands this fact. Tornado Cash on Ethereum is far more decentralized than any privacy tool that Bit on Bitcoin that currently exists. If Tornado loses this case, then privacy on Bitcoin is very screwed, he says. And this is true. Like, no matter how much you hate Ethereum, like what Tornado Cash is doing on Ethereum is a moral good, like enabling privacy on chain, because that's something you don't really have on Bitcoin. And yeah, you have CoinJoin, yeah. but if you really understand the technology behind how these things work, you realize that like this case, what happens to tornado, tornado cash is going to affect all of those privacy features. And none of them is, is as good as tornado cash is. So, um, you know, don't, don't get into your Bitcoin maxi head and think that this doesn't matter because it does. Yep. And still like cash is still the most, decentralized vehicle for transactings um, in the economy as it sits today. You, you see the war on cash now um, going in certain gas stations. <clears throat> they won't even accept bills over 20 anymore. And that's just wild to me. Yeah. Um, it's... it's uh, it's interesting seeing those limitations getting put on the economy. If I'm like, if I have a hundred dollar bill, I won't be able to spend it because you don't want to verify that it's real. Or you don't want to trust that yeah. what I'm spending is actually legit. <laughs> it's, it's just hysterical to me that this yeah. is what it's come to essentially. It's it's sad, but, you know, it's the reality of it. Yeah. Well, but, you know, and here's something else to think about with Tornado Cash is just. So the people writing the code, we already know they couldn't have stopped. They couldn't have stopped North Korea from using it because they wrote it. And now it exists on the Ethereum chain. And anybody who wants to interact with those smart contracts can because the code can't be changed at this point. But, you know, who could is the validators. The validators didn't have to approve those transactions, right? And we already huh. saw that validators, because validators can choose which transactions they want to approve, which blocks yep. they want to approve. And um, as they did with Tornado Cash. So those validators, could there be a case where the US government holds those validators responsible? And if they hold the validators responsible, how much compliance would we see across the board? Would we see 95%, 99%, maybe? All validators comply with the U.S. government to avoid regulations and sanctions. We could see that, you know. Uh, so, I that is a fatal flaw with Ethereum. 
Yeah, and I was about to say, though, how many of the validators aren't actually <clears throat> liable to the U.S. government because they're not in the United States. I know, but it doesn't matter. Like, the Roman brothers aren't United States citizens, yet the FBI is still going to arrest them. Like, the U.S. Regulatory, regulatory Authority is basically the de facto regulatory authority of the world. We make the policy, and the world complies, and we extradite people. They got deemed as a terrorist organization, a foreign terrorist organization. That's how the U.S. got involved. And whenever a foreign or domestic terrorist organization is is out there, the U.S. government will find a way to to take care of it. And uh, that's just how they are. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not right, but that's just. That's what it is, and sometimes, and the, who, uh, honestly, from where we sit, we don't, we know enough to see there's something a little murky here, but we don't know what's going on to the fullest extent, if there is any, you know, backroom handshake deals under the table that we're not privy to, um, I mean, shoot, like, just, just knowing what happens in some of these European countries like Spain or Ukraine, it's 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 crazy. So, yeah, it's it's all those things that mm. can get considered. So, that's that's just some of the stuff that I think about from yeah. time to time that nobody yeah. else talks about. Like Vlad, Vlad, Vladimir Putin has, it's not like like Vladimir Putin owns real estate in Spain. Why is he allowed to own real estate in Spain? <laughs> Why is he allowed to? do black market transactions in Spain. Obviously, he probably hasn't been there since the Ukraine stuff, but before that, you know, those are all things that get, you know, get factored in, and it, and I don't think it always gets realized to the fullest extent. Yeah, well, I mean, and I just got in a debate with somebody on Twitter the other day, but I don't think people just realize how much, yeah, I mean, Russia, these other countries, China, obviously have swing power but it's nowhere near what the united states has and uh this bitcoin maxi i was in a debate with um you know talking about how like you know this this type of thing where if like the u.s government were to make mining bitcoin illegal or something like that wouldn't matter like you know bitcoin is stronger than all that um he's like any point his example was he pointed to china and he's like china at one point you know banned Bitcoin mining and look, we're fine. Like that's a giant authoritarian state. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yes, but the China is not the U S right. Yeah. The, if the U S decides something is, you know, a vehicle of terrorism or whatever that has much like undeniably stronger sway than China deciding that its citizens can't mine Bitcoin. So, and people just don't realize that. And this case is a perfect example. The U.S. government sanctioned Tornado Cash, and then, like, the next day, they arrested Alexei in the Netherlands. It's like, what does the Netherlands have to do with the U.S.? It doesn't matter, because the U.S. has the swing power. And now we've arrested, you know, these two head developers, the two Roman brothers, and, um, you know, not U.S. citizens, once again. So that wouldn't happen if China decided that Tornado Cash was sanctioned. Yeah, it's uh, 
It's interesting times we live in. Um, I do anticipate an election year being beneficial for the market collectively. I think that their economy will grow in an election year next year. I don't know what that looks like. I've seen some pretty interesting uh, things going on from a economy standpoint where I sit, where I work. And so it's, it's just, uh, it's been interesting, but there's still things happening. And I think that that's what we need to kind of rest assured in. And uh, ultimately I think the best advice for people is to just, you know, work a job, save money best you can and invest where it makes sense. And uh, don't, don't try to, uh, overextend yourself and and find yourself in a pickle so and uh yeah it, it's uh yeah. like i said this was a fun fun little conversation on a saturday morning and uh hope that everybody continues yep. to like comment review subscribe wherever podcasts are found and especially on the youtube channel because that's where the the biggest uh, growth comes from we're really close to 100 subscribers so um let's let's begin that push that campaign um zen will be on the push for uh, uh 500 and then a thousand subscribers so i i think i think we're capable of that and uh hope that everybody who's been watching us enjoys this stuff and uh that i guess that those those kind of my closing thoughts i don't know connor if you have any more closing thoughts but yeah no yeah great conversation you know just looking at the state of web3 hear this episode and uh next episode we have matt back we'll be back to a normal podcast and um you know looking to talk to more guests but great episode. awesome all right everybody have a great week peace